today's subject um, is about how the Holy Spirit gives to us. Part of his job, part of his role, and what he has come to do is, is come, he, he gives us these gifts. Earlier this week, and I shared this story on Facebook, um, Ethan had a, uh, had a procedure done. He had, gets this done every three months. He has chemotherapy injected right into his spine. Um, part of that is preventative uh, to keep leukemia from developing in his spinal fluid. Um, but we do that once every three months. He gets, uh, he gets put under anesthesia, and it's a, it's a day-long thing. Afterwards, when he's kind of up and around and feeling better, we will go to someplace like Target, and we will buy him a, a little Lego guy. Now, Lego has these little minifigures. Uh, they're the little Lego guys. Now, if, you, if you're like me, you grew up collecting things like baseball cards, and when you got your pack of baseball cards, you didn't know what was inside there. You, know, you opened it up, and then you found out what you had. Well, these Lego minifigures are the same way. You don't know what you're getting. It's a sealed package, and uh, you open it up, and then you realize, oh, this guy looks like a cowboy, or this guy looks like a plumber. There's hundreds of them. Um, so Tuesday, uh, as part of the – I don't want to call it a reward, but just a way to comfort Ethan. We say, okay, when we're all done with this, go to Target. You can grab one of these minifigures. They're a couple bucks, so it's, it's a win-win for the whole family. Well, we get there, and we have to wait till we get home. Uh, to open it because of the tiny pieces. We don't get anything lost in the car. Uh, his procedure went fine, but they were behind, so we were like two or three hours longer than we should have been uh, at the hospital. Uh, Ethan can't eat during this time, so he's just been a trooper all day. We go to Target. He gets the minifigure, drive another 30 minutes home, opens it up, and it's one he's already got. And, uh, and he, wasn't he wasn't unappreciative, but you can see that there was disappointment, that he had gotten something he already had and, and – I, I was just – it broke my heart. I was like, oh, man, I just, I just wanted him to have this thing to – you know, this is the week where we take steroids, so it's a harder week. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to write to the Lego company. They're somewhere in a bunker in Switzerland or something like that. I'm going to write them an email, and I'm going to tell them the situation and see if I can get an exchange. Um, and so I did, and within like an hour, they responded to me. Like somebody from the Lego headquarters responded to me. Um, on their little Lego computer, and they and and they said, we understand the circumstance. You know, for me, I thought, you know what, I knew what I was getting into. That's part of the chance. You you might get a duplicate, and I explained that to them. And you know, not trying to get something for nothing. Well, they said, you know what, because of the circumstances, we'll not just send him one; we'll send him two. Oh, how cool is that? I was so excited that that this company that didn't have to do anything went above and beyond and gave more to my son free of charge than than we actually spent. It was just it just it, I didn't even tell Ethan it's going to be coming in the mail in the next couple of days um and he's going to be ecstatic when he sees this little package and gets it in the mail. Um and I share that story with you A because Lego's cool, uh, number 1, number 2, um because they went above and beyond and gave more than they needed to. They didn't have to give anything. You know, we went in, we exchanged our money for their goods, and that should have been the end of the transaction. But they went above and beyond that uh, for a little boy who was disappointed on a, on a pretty big day, right? Um, so not only did they give him one new one, they gave him a second new one. There was no reason to do that other than they wanted to satisfy a customer, which they totally did. They went above and beyond what they had to do. Um, I share that story with you because it's, it's a microscopic, very small sliver of what it means to be a Christian. Here's what I mean. We 
the Bible says that we are sinners. We know that. Romans 3 and 23, that we are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how you measure us in and our own selves, we, are, we have just fallen short of the gospel of Jesus. We have fallen short of his glory. We have fallen short of his perfection and holiness. As a result, we find ourselves as sinners. And as a result of that, we are condemned to hell. So, so not only are we at war with God, there's enmity between him and us. We're condemned to hell. That's our sentence. That's our punishment. Well, in steps Jesus. God himself steps down into our reality, lives a perfect and sinless life, dies a perfect death for sinners like you and I so that we might be saved. He takes our punishment. He takes the wrath of himself. You know, God himself says, you know, there's this wrath that's going to be poured out upon us. And, and, and in this one fell swoop, God pours out the wrath and steps in front of the wrath so that we don't have to endure it. We, by faith in Jesus, we are saved from that wrath. But on top of that, not just being saved from God's wrath, we are born again. We are born again of the Spirit. That means God's Spirit is put into us. We come alive. We, we begin to experience life in a whole new way. The beginning of the rest of our lives is just that. It's the beginning. We now walk with Jesus every day of the rest of our lives. And there'll be dizzying highs and depressing lows and you know mediocre middles. But all along the way, it'll be a journey with Jesus for the rest of our lives. Should that be one year, ten years, fifty years, or a hundred years, we will walk with Jesus every day. That in and of itself is an amazing gift that God would not only wash away our sins, but cause us to be born again so that we despise and revile sin. Though we're not perfect yet, when we do sin, it's as though we are eating something bitter and we want to just spit it out of our lives. We realize the folly and the danger and just the grossness of it, and we have this this great grace of God that allows us to repent to such a loving father. It's no longer standing before a judge who would condemn us. It's standing before a father who loves us. What a great, glorious, awesome, amazing gift that we could walk around without condemnation hanging over our head all the time. That, that this wrath that was once meant for us is no longer there. Praise God. That, if that was the sermon today, that's sermon enough. That is good news enough. But on top of that... On top of that message, that, that, that gift that God was not required to give to us, but yet out of love does give to us, through the Holy Spirit, he gives us these great gifts. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This will kind of be our, our, our jumping off point this morning. You might refer to these as spiritual gifts. That's a good way to refer to them as spiritual gifts. Uh, in chapters 12 and 14 of the book of First Corinthians, is kind of this is kind of the the the, the oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? These are the these are the chapters that best exemplify spiritual gifts, their purposes, what they look like, what they feel like, and what to expect. They're not the only ones, but they are the, the most concentrated when it comes to spiritual gifts. So in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Paul is speaking to this church in a place called Corinth, and he says this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church 
first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, if you now don't turn there, make a note of this. Ephesians chapter four verse eleven deals with this same idea. Uh, in that section, Paul adds um, evangelists and teachers, as well as pastors. After teachers, he says, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Paul begins this rhetorical question, these, the series of rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Verse 31, and this is kind of our big verse for the day. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your word is good. Your word is paramount. Your word is everything that we want today. Lord, our flesh might even desire something else, but today our spirits cry out for your word. Teach us, preach to us, minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So on top of Jesus, forgiveness, redemption, justification, adoption, on top of family, on top of purpose, on top of hope, all of these great gifts that Jesus has given us uh, through himself, we have these new gifts that Paul mentions, these new gifts that Paul describes to us. Not only do we get gifts through the Holy Spirit, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him, uh, uh, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, we don't have to attend a class for the Holy Spirit. We don't have to have somebody lay hands upon us. They can, but they don't have to. It says here, Jesus says here, simply ask for it. He says, dads, dads in the room, take note of this. We know how to give good gifts. Our kids come to us, dad, can I have a sandwich? We don't give them a brick. Dad, can you take us to the store? We don't take them someplace and make them work. You know, we give to them good Christmas time. We, we give them good gifts. Birthdays, we give them good gifts. You know, they do something good. We, get, we know how to do that. And we're sinners. How much more God in heaven who is perfect, sinless, holy, how much more capable is he of giving gifts to his children? So when we simply ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father is, it's like he's ready. Like, yeah, that's what I've been wanting to give you. That gift is ready to go without limitation, without reservation. Here is the Holy Spirit. But not only do we receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, through him we experience new gifts. On top of all this that we've already received, take note, the, grace is free, but it's not cheap. Grace is free, but it's, it's not that it doesn't come at a cost. Jesus dies on a cross for our sins, we give him our old life that we know leads nowhere, and he gives to us all of this. I think basic mathematics show us that we make out like bandits, that God gets very little from us, that he gives so much to us. So on top of all these things I've mentioned, like hope 
and, and redemption and justification, these big churchy words that we use so often, we receive gifts, talents, abilities that are supernaturally empowered. Let that soak in for just a minute. It's not just something you can physically do. It's something that God does through you. It's something that God has empowered only you to do or only, only a group of people like you to do. There are spiritual gifts that are exclusively going to be yours. And there are ones on the flip side of that coin that you are not going to experience because they are not your gift. You know, at Christmas time, birthday, you don't get to determine the gifts you get, right? You show up, there's presents, you unwrap them, you get what you get. You know, with spiritual gifts, it's much the same. God gives out gifts, and what we get is perfect for us. If our gift is not healing, then that's not our gift. We should be able to walk away from that, not saying, not saying, oh, that's a bad gift. Because sometimes people do that. If I didn't get it, then it's bad. No, it just wasn't meant for you. That, and you can be okay with that. You know, my gift's not healing. I'm okay with that. I can still pray for healing. I can still seek healing. But if that's not my gift, then I'm okay with that because God's the one who gives out the gifts. And he chose to give it to somebody else rather than me. And if my gift is healing, if I can pray for the sick and they become healed, not by my own power, but the power of God through me, well, then praise God that he chose me to be that kind of a vessel. I can't exalt myself over other people. I had no choice in this. I didn't apply for this or I didn't earn this. It was something that God gave to me. And so we can rejoice that this is our gift, that God knows a lot more than we do. And that's a good thing. At the end here in verse 31, Paul says, desire the good gifts, desire the higher gifts. These things that he's mentioned, there should be a healthy desire for these things. Sometimes as Christians, we, we try to take the quote-unquote high road, and we're not going to ask Jesus for anything, and boy, salvation enough is enough, and, and why should, you know, try to be the, the bigger person. Paul says, no, no, no. These are things we're expected to desire. If you want to speak in tongues, then pray for that. Ask for that. The answer might be no, but desire those things. If it's healing, miracles, administration, encouragement, being an apostle, an evangelist, a, 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 a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, if it's being uh, somebody filled with wisdom, desire, ask for those things. Don't sit back and just, oh, I don't know. I don't want to step on it. No, I, ask for these things. Desire these things. That is perfectly good and acceptable to want these things. Higher gifts. Go back to chapter 12. Go back to verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
whatever your gift is, it will not only be for you. It will be for you. You will enjoy it. You will be fulfilled through it, but it will be for the common good of the church. It will even be for the common good of the world. If your gift is something like encouragement, at some point in time you're going to encourage somebody who's not a Christian, and they're going to see Jesus in that. So it won't just be the church that benefits from you. It will be the world that benefits from you. Now, we all receive that same gift of the Holy Spirit, but we see here that that Spirit works in different ways in each one of us. And that diversity works in fulfilling the purpose of God on this planet to win souls into his kingdom. We can't all do the same thing. We are like puzzle pieces that fit together. We all do things that the other can't do, and collectively we get the job done. God uses imperfect, broken, and crooked people to do a perfect job. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8 continued says, for the one is given through, excuse me, for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, by the one spirit. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Notice the great intimacy in that last verse. God knows you. He knows what gifts he wants to give to you. He knows what job he wants you to do. And he will give to you what you need. He will give you the portion that you need to do what you've been called to do. He can do this because he knows you unlike anybody else. See, I could sit back. I could become a talent scout. I can look at you and say, you'd be a, you'd be a good usher. You'd be a good greeter. You'd be a good speaker or teacher or musician or whatever. But my, my observation will always fall short of God. This is why you see people in ministry that you would never think would be, you know, in the ministry at all. You see people up on a platform that I, I speak to them on a daily basis. How, why are they up there? Because God takes things that are people that we would never choose to do things that we would never choose for them to do because he's better at evaluating who we are. He knows our hearts in a way that other people don't. It's why it's so important as a pastor for me to, to look at people and not just say, this is what you're going to do. It's rather, what does the Lord want you to do? Does the Lord want you to work with the kids? Does the Lord want you to greet or to play a, an instrument or to lead in worship or to teach a Bible study? If God does not have that plan for you, it will just be, uh, it'll just be like trying to corral a cat to push you into that role or that position or that job. It is God's choice when it comes to who gets what. We can't. It's not. A, it's not a spiritual buffet. We can't read through these verses and say, "Oh, uh, healing and miracles and tongues. I want those three. Wrap them up. That's me now." Can't do that because nobody would pick the gifts of administration, or at least very few people would. You know, no one would pick the hard jobs. Everybody would pick the ones that were more flashy and upfront. Who wouldn't want the gift of healing? 
Who wouldn't want to be able to go to our local hospital, sit next to somebody on their deathbed, pray for them, and then watch them come back to life? Who would not choose that? Or miracles. Notice how, notice how the Holy Spirit separates those two, by the way. Miracles. Who would not choose miracles? Something that cannot be explained by, by anything physical or natural. Who would not choose that? So Jesus has to be Jesus, and he chooses who gets what. And that means, it doesn't mean we don't desire those things anymore, but it means that once we know what we have, we're satisfied. Okay, this is what God has given me. I'm okay with this. I want to flourish, live, and operate right here. Because this is where Jesus put me, and he knows a lot more than I do. Pursuing these desires is a privilege and a command. We, have, we should be, but it's also a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege to be able to even fathom that God would use us and empower us to be used. What a great privilege that we have as Christians. Now, Paul doesn't just say, and the Holy Spirit doesn't just say, desire the, the higher gifts. He says, desire the higher gifts... And I will show you a still more excellent way. I love that chapter 13 of, of 1 Corinthians is sandwiched by spiritual gifts. 12 and 14 deal with spiritual gifts, body of Christ. But right smack dab in the middle is 13 short verses. And they're normally something we read at like a wedding, uh, anniversaries, things that have to deal with love. And that's good. And nothing against that. But contextually, it's there because these gifts by themselves can be done in the wrong way and in the wrong spirit. We're going to read all of chapter 13. It's only 13 verses, so don't tap out on me. But verse 13, chapter 1 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If somebody has the ability to speak in tongues, a heavenly language that is is we don't know what they are saying, but but there's something in it that it's a language that God has given them to speak and to pray in. If you have that gift, but it's not expressed in love, Paul says you're like a clanging symbol. Have you ever heard a clanging symbol? Clanging symbol all by itself, really bad symbol. It's like hitting the top of a of an aluminum garbage can. It's horrible. It hurts your ears. Or a gong that goes off too close to your head. It's like, oh, that's so loud. There's nothing beautiful about it. Paul says, a person who speaks in tongues but doesn't have love is a lot like that clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to re uh, remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Verse 3, if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. In the verse 4, the, the part that we're more familiar with, love is patient and kind. Love does not have envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know that we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, that's Jesus, the partial will pass away. As an analogy, Paul gives this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Church, the desire of these higher gifts, tongues, and prophecy, and wisdom, and encouragement, and, and position, and authority, these desires we have, or these things that we desire, without love, we're like a car wreck. Without love, they are nothing. And Paul identifies for us what love is. Church, you might be the most talented, gifted, supernaturally empowered person ever. And if you have not love, you are nothing. The danger here is becoming is that you become so enamored with what God has given you, you forget the God who gave it to you. Church, I want you to exercise, be empowered with the power of God to do things only you can do. But you must have love for each other first. You must have a love for yourself first. And above all things, you must have a love for Jesus. You could come to me and say, Pastor Tony... I have no talents. I have nothing to bring to the table. I just love Jesus and I want to do something. The, the church can do more with that than the most gifted musician, the most gifted speaker, the most brilliant theologian. A willing person who says, I love Jesus above all things. And my desire and my pursuit is to please him each and every day. That, that is the heart that builds the church, or I should say God uses to build the church. You must have love for chapters 12 and 14 to mean anything, to get to the end of your life and to tell God all the great things you did and leave out love. It's not going to be a good day. It's not going to be a time of rejoicing. Paul, who probably possessed more gifts than we'll ever even see so no if i don't have love nothing i'm a noisy gong i'm a clanging cymbal these tongues that i might speak they aren't this heavenly beautiful language anymore just grating and bad church gifts are there to be desired but the more excellent way is to have a love for god and for each other first so that the gifts don't get abused they don't get misused. They don't get exalted in the wrong way. So that people don't get worshipped instead of Jesus. Because sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes somebody comes in and, you know, this person prayed for somebody. They got healed. Now they're being worshipped instead of Jesus. And the point of the Bible and the point of the gospel is that Jesus is great. That Jesus is awesome. That Jesus is everything. And things that detract from his glory are in opposition to him. They're in opposition to the good news. Our gifts reach their fullest potential 
when we offer them in love and servitude towards others. If we are not loving and serving first, our gifts are being wasted. And we may not even know what our gifts are yet, but we know how to love people. We, we may not know what God, what, you know, what's in the bag that God has given us, what's in here. We don't even know yet, but we know how to love people. And Paul says love is patient, love is kind, it endures all things. And when someone comes to you and says, this is what's happened to me, you have a compassion for them, a love for them. Not, not just a, 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 I wish they'd stop talking, or gosh, this is the worst. It's, wow, I really, I really wish I could help. I wish there was something I could do physically that would change their circumstances. There's a desire to help them. There's a desire to want to see their life change. How do we get these gifts? Because that's, that's the next logical question. How do I get these gifts? Pastor Tony, if there's gifts to be had, how do I get them? Very good question. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, Jesus, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. For just a brief moment, right before we close, we're going to talk about belief. Everything that we've talked about, gifts, hope, encouragement, all all this good stuff we've talked about that comes through the Holy Spirit as a result of the Holy Spirit is exclusive to the Christian. But it's exclusive to the Christian who's not just a Christian by name only. Belief for a Christian, when we talk about belief, we aren't talking about belief in the same way that the world does. There are many people of the world who believe that Jesus Christ existed. This is not the belief that we're talking about. There are people who exist who believe that the teachings of Jesus are are, are bar none, far and above every other teaching that have ever happened. They believe that his teachings on love and, 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 and peace, they're, they're far and above what anybody else has ever said. But yet that's not the belief that we're talking about. There are people who believe that Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago at the hands of men. There's people who believe that, but that is not the belief we're talking about. What, what do we mean when we talk about belief? We talk about a person who has jumped into Jesus's boat and wherever it is going, that's where we're going to. That we have decided to lean so heavenly, uh, excuse me, heavily upon Jesus Christ that should he move, we would fall. That we believe in him and as a result of that belief, we have given him all of us. When the Christian talks about belief. When the Bible talks about belief, this is the belief that we are talking about. Not the belief that doesn't change you. You see, this type of belief wrecks everything. That means all of your plans are out the window. That means everything that you had planned out for life is now secondary. James says, you foolishly, in his the book that he wrote, You foolishly make these plans. Next year I'll go and I'll buy and I'll sell and I'll make money. 
James says you ought to say, if the Lord wills, I'll go and do these things. Because your life is not your life anymore. Your life is in his hands. And if, if that's not his will, that's not what you're going to be doing. And that will be the best for you. And some of this is really, well, well why can't I do what I want? And the, you know, our children say the same thing. And then we tell our children, because we see, we know more than you do. Well, why can't I just do this? Because I know that that will hurt you. I know that, that will be of no profit to you. I know that that might hurt somebody else. And you can't see that right now. And our, our father, our great dad in heaven is the same way. But we want to go here and go there. But that's not where I want you. But I want to, I want to live someplace that's sunny all the time. I have you right here. But I... I want to make more money. You'll idolize it. I want to be married to this person. No, you don't. No, you do not. I want kids right now. You're not ready. I don't want kids right now. I want you to have kids right now. I don't want to be sick. I'm going to be glorified in your sickness. In the book of Luke, there's a blind man. He's older, but his parents are still around, and, and the Pharisees ask, okay, this kid's blind, or this guy's blind. Why is he blind? Did he sin, or did his parents sin? Who messed up? Why is he being punished with blindness? I've never been blind, but I have to assume not the best thing ever. Jesus says, neither. <laughs> Blows their mind. Neither of them have sinned. He is blind so that God might be glorified. Church, if you are sick or hurting or in desperate need of healing and you're not being healed today, that's because Jesus will be better glorified in your ailment than in your healing. I don't understand that. That's why we're not God. He is and we are not. It doesn't mean we want to be sick, but we can rejoice knowing that even God can take something as, as, as undesirable as being sick and still use it for his glory and our good. But, how do we receive these gifts? Do we call them down? Do we have faith for them? You believe in Jesus. You put all of yourself into his boat. You take everything. You forsake it. You carry your cross. You crucify your life. You, you die to yourself, and you live for Christ every day. You put yourself in him. In the New Testament, some 200 times, there's this phrase, in Christ, in Jesus, in, in faith. It's the idea of being fully encapsulated by Jesus, front, back, side, under, over. You're in Jesus. And that's, that is where we desire to be. Now, we don't, we're, we're human, so we don't always operate there. Sometimes we fail, and we fail really good. But that's the desire, that's the, that's the place that we want to be. When we talk about belief, believing in Jesus, you know, Easter's coming up, Resurrection Sunday, and people are going to be here that aren't normally here. We're going to talk about belief, and I believe Jesus died, I believe, I believe this, I believe that. But is your life so invested in him that when people see you, they see Christ? That is the belief that we're looking for. That's the belief that the Bible is prescribing. That is the belief that... that Honestly, 
makes us right before God. There's no halfway Christians. There's no, there's no partial salvations. You are saved or you are not. You are a child of God or you are an orphan to death. You, you are born again or you are dead in your sins. The good news is that the gospel of Jesus is free. That if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that Jesus is everything that the Bible says that he is, then you are saved. You see, we don't have to walk around wondering, well, am I saved or am I not saved? Well, confess that Jesus is your Lord. Believe that in your heart. Be encapsulated by who he is, his, not just his love, but everything about him. Live for him all the days of your life. The only worry you'll have is, who else is coming with me? What other captives am I bringing home with me? Who else will I preach the gospel to? Who else will I, will I show love today? You know, my family's not perfect. We're far from it. And, uh, and, and we, just, we just love this church and we love Jesus. And one of the things we pray every night, um, sort of by accident, I just started praying with the kids one night this, and it's kind of stuck, and we've kind of made it our little mantra at night. Um, we pray, Lord, help us tomorrow to serve each other and, as a family and then to serve our neighbors. Help us to serve in love anybody that comes across our path. Starting with each other, because we're going to see each other the most on any given day. Help us to serve. Help us to love. Because we believe in Jesus, who has come to serve and to love us. Ben, you want to come on up? We, we might walk away today. Our, our circumstances have not changed, right? We came in here. The problems that were outside the door, they're still there. The world that we live in still exists. We've had some time to sort of decompress, exhale, relax a little bit. But now it's time to go back out into the world. Now it's time to go back out and live this truth. That God is a very generous God. That Jesus gives and gives and gives and gives. Church, if you will focus or if you will look to the things that he gives to us, the idea of giving all of yourself to him, you start to realize, I'm, I'm still making out. I'm still making out like a bandit. I am still coming out on top of this deal. That I would give my old dead life in exchange for all of this. That I would receive the love of Christ. That I would be forgiven of my sins. That I would be adopted into the family of Jesus. That I'd become a part of his church, both collectively and individually. That I would be justified before God. That my sins wouldn't just be winked at. My sins would be completely cleansed. That the dark and vile things that I have done, that only my heart knows about, they've been washed away. That I no longer have to live in fear of condemnation. Though I justly deserve it, Jesus has stood in my place so that I might be forgiven. That by faith in Christ alone, 
we receive all of this. Church, I believe that we as a church, as, as few or as many as God might give us, we could totally revolutionize this area. But it will take all of us being fully in the boat with Jesus. Understanding that God's word is indeed God's word. That Jesus is the Son of God. That his death alone pays for our sin. That we were even... The, the hardest part sometimes is just realizing that we are sinners. Let's just be truthful with ourselves. Have we sinned? Yes, then we're sinners and we need Jesus. So stand with me this morning. Let's pray together. If you can't stand, that's okay. Please remain seated. But if you can stand, then stand. Let's just pray a prayer of faith today. You know, I don't know what your gifts are. I don't know what God wants you to do. You know, I really wish he did give me a list. You know, Henry's going to do this, and Vi's going to do that, and, and Pete's going to do this. And I can just check off the list, but instead he gives me no list and insists on us coming together as a family to figure this out. I guess maybe through that we'll grow a little bit and become the family that we're supposed to be. Amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, first off, we love you. Not because we're perfect, not because everything's perfect, but because you are. Jesus, you're the best. You are everything. You're, you're the one who is perfect. You're the one who is sinless. You're the one who is God. And we worship you today. And we come to you today and we need help. We need help to believe in you the way that we are commanded to in the word with all of our heart, soul, spirit, and mind, that, that today we would be able to give all of ourselves to you, that we go into the proverbial boat that is exclusively yours, that you would indeed be the captain of this ship and we would just be there for the ride, allowing us to take us wherever you want to go. Lord, today we do desire these higher, holy, amazing gifts that only you can give out. Father, today, as, as the pastor of this place, I want to help these people know their gifts and what it is they're called to do and then give them opportunity to do so. Lord, if it's administration or, or caring or tongues or prophecy or wisdom, whatever it might be, Lord, help us. Help us to see. Help us to, to, to fail in the best way, by learning what is not our gifts and embracing those things that are. Father, when our gift is not the gift that maybe we want to have, you know, be graceful with us as we, as we kick a little bit or as we pout a little bit. Help us to look past the disappointment to see that you have something better for us. And Jesus, how... How great that you get, that we are even at this point where we can talk about the things you're going to give to us. You, you've already given us life. You've already paid for our, our death. I mean, that we can even stand up here and, and, and make requests and have desires is amazing, Lord. Jesus, may we ne help us. Don't let us lose sight of how awesome that is. That, that that privilege of desiring a good gift because you're a God who gives them is an exclusive place for the Christian that follows you. 
You are worthy, Lord. We are not. But we are thankful that you have lifted us up, that you have saved us, that you have loved us as we have given our lives to you, Lord. Take them, shape them, mold them, make them into what you want. And we give you the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen.